What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, I had my friend Jake Walton on. Uh, he, I met him at camp up in Michigan when I was in high school. Uh, he was a counselor, and then he ended up running some programs, whatever. Um, we ended up staying in touch, and he's been one of the most influential leaders in my life. I think you're going to quickly see why. He's very passionate. He's very intense. Uh, I thought things would cool down as the podcast went on, and they, strangely enough, got even more heated and passionate, so prepare yourselves for that. Um, we talked a lot about his ministry experiences. Um, he's very passionate about being a man of God, so we got into some great discussions on what it looks like to be a man of God. Uh, he's 31 and single, and so we spoke into that a little bit, which I thought was incredible. Um, we talked a lot about books at the end. So, yeah, he just took a job in Ankeny, um, not at a Salt Network church, so he's the first non-Salt Network person I've had on the podcast, and it was a great time. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here is my friend, Jake Walton. folks here we go welcome to this episode of the grain of salt my name is mikey stewart i'm delighted to be with you today this evening as i record this it's late at night it's night it's 8 30 this is the latest podcast i've ever recorded this is this is so exciting it's exhilarating are you gonna introduce me yeah uh my guest today is one i've been wanting to have on for a very long time he's a great oh, friend man. of mine thank you man arguably the most influential person up there on the most influential people in my life. To like you, my dad, and Ryan. My friend Jake Walton. What's up, Jake? Hey, Mike. Thank you for the kind words, brother. Wow. <laughs> floored. Absolutely floored. No, you're not. I tell you that all the time. It puts a lot of pressure on me. You're actually the first non-salt company or salt network church member I've had on. I'm pretty sure. I think everybody has either worked for or have gone to a salt network church, but not you. So finally, we have somebody on here that's actually saved. Oh my gosh, you can't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thank just you. Kidding. I was I'm waiting for you kidding. to say I'm just kidding. JK. Gosh, I don't want to have to start this episode. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> um, Jake, big move. You just moved to Ankeny, Iowa. You're working for a church there. What's it called? First Family? Family First? <laughs> <laughs> Put your family first church. It's First Family Church in Ankeny, Iowa. Great. 5023, I think, is the zip code. 5023. Mm -hmm. This is your first time living in Iowa. Where have you come from? <clears throat> well, as far as where I was born and raised? Yeah, let's just go there. Like your story, where you're born and raised, <clears throat> how you got saved, what you've been up to. Yeah. Um, it started um, well with a lot of people out there, their parents. Um, <laughs> sorry. Wow. Try, um, my dad is my best friend in life. Um, he grew up in a home and it's a family where, um, he went through, they went through divorce. And I think he said when he was four years old, he was being raised by a single mom and they had moved seven times in one year. Um, this is your dad? Yeah, it's my dad. And his mom was just trying to make it. So my dad was raised without a dad in his life. And he went through a lot of ups and downs and trials. Um, in high school, he was really athletic, got a scholarship to play football, um, was a mean dude, like the kind of dude you mess with him. Um, like somebody told me once he like grabbed somebody's shirt and slammed him against the locker because he was like trash talking. I'm just like, that's my dad. <laughs> that's right. Um, so he, 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 didn't, he did not love Jesus, um, wanted nothing to do with him. In high school, he used to make fun of Christians. And then in 1962, he graduated from high school. 
and he joined the United States Marine Corps. And on his way to Vietnam and Okinawa, Japan, a fellow Marine named Ron Stott shared the gospel with him. And I've met, I've had the pleasure of meeting Ron and Ron just took my dad through the gospel and he said, Jerry, if you die in this war, do you know you spend eternity? And my dad um, confessed with his mouth and believed in his heart that Jesus was Lord and he got saved. Um, and then the Lord called him into the ministry. Um, he's been faithfully a pastor for 40 plus years. Nice. And married to Still my is mom. now? Yeah. Nice. To this day, he's 75. Man, wow, time flies. That's awesome. Um, 75 years old, and he's been faithfully married to my mom for 45 years now. They have, they had seven babies. You're the baby of them, right? No. No, your sister. Are we even friends? Shut up. I'm the fifth of seven. I know. But yeah, you do. <laughs> of course you do. So um, I'm the fifth of seven. Um, yeah. he When he was 50 and my mom was 44, they had their seventh child. He Wait, was 50. 50? 50 years old, 5'0". Oh my goodness, so he's what? How old was he when they graduated high school? Huh? 68? How old was he? Yeah, when they graduated high school. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was in his 60s when my little sister graduated. Jeez. Yeah, talk about over the hill. That's sweet. So, yeah, my dad's my hero best friend. I was the fifth of seven, um, born on March 22nd, 1988. Um... <laughs> As a, they used to call me Happy Man as a kid. Um, just had a lot of energy and passion. Um, they would always like, like the family would just gather around the room. And I had a lot of old people in my family. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like my birthday parties consisted of mostly everybody over 50 or 60 years old. And you just sit That there. is not true. Yeah, it really is. And it was, it was definitely would have been boring to most. I'm an old soul. And I think that highly contributes it because that's who I was around as a kid. It was just a lot of older people. A lot of 60 year olds. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. and um, <laughs> they call me Happy Man, Crazy Energy. They just all sit around and just watch me because I would just do like crazy, impulsive things and make people mm-hmm. laugh. My mom told me when I was a kid, she'd give me milk and I would just guzzle it, just <laughs> and then I would throw it over my shoulder and I'd start punching my high chair. I'm um, sorry if y'all picked that up. I didn't mean to. Wow. But I would, I'd punch my high chair and like scream for more milk. Um, so since I was a kid, I was just like crazy, happy man. Um, let's see. <laughs> I, I, from there, um, I accepted the Lord as a little kid. I have no idea what the date was. Um, if you're looking for a date or how old I was, I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. This is what I know. This is what I do know. I was a little boy and we were, lived out in the country in Pennsylvania. It was just there a couple days ago. It was beautiful there. I'd go outside and I'd play like, I'd make a stick, a knife, or a gun, and I would just like have a lot of fun playing outside. And then I took my lunch times very serious. So I'd come on inside, and my sister Jen, who's the oldest in the family, made grilled cheese sandwiches, and they were cut in triangular fashion. And I'm sitting at the end of the table, like we are right now, and my sister Jen's like, Jake, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And I'm sitting there looking at my grilled cheese, and I'm like, of all times, you wanted to talk about this. Now has to be the time. She's like, come over here. So I went over to the couch. It was a blue couch with like a checkered design. And she walked me through the gospel. And I'll never forget as a little boy getting on my hands and knees. And I said, Lord, come into my life and change me. And uh, yeah, that's when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'll never forget that. And I, I hold my older sisters really special to me 
because they were like two extra moms, and uh, I love them dearly. Very thankful that the Lord put them in my life. So usually when people accept the Lord as Savior, um, you know, maybe like, if, especially when they grow up in a pastor, so maybe they have their years of rebellion where they're like, you know, like, I don't like this stuff. I'm going to do mm-hmm. bad things. And um, that was not my story at all. Um, I was a loser growing up. I was overweight. I remember on my <laughs> basketball team, kids would pick on me and make fun of me in front of everybody. Um, it's And it, it, it definitely hurt. You know, there were times when a little boy, I'd just be lying in bed and tears would be flowing down my cheeks. And it was just a really hard thing to process and go through. So I was overweight. And then I got really bad grades in high school. Um, well, in junior high and high school, super insecure. I peed the bed till I was 15 years old. Did you really? Yeah. Why? Why did I pee the bed? Yeah. I mean, if I would actually know that, don't you think I'd want to stop? <laughs> well, um, oh, have I you stopped, stopped now? I can neither confirm nor deny. Stop it. No, I'm just kidding. For the most part, I've been dry now for <laughs> probably 10 years. So wait, I mean, isn't there an explanation as to why you kept peeing the bed? I don't know. I don't know. We I mean, should move on. We should move on. Keep going. You don't want to talk about this? No. <laughs> now all the viewers are going to be like, what happened? What happened? Um, so like as a kid, I was like, I was thinking when I accepted the Lord as my savior and from day one, I wanted him to use me in great ways. Because it's always connected with me that I get one life. I get one crack at this life. And I wanted my life to matter. I just didn't want to be somebody just existing like everybody else. I was like, okay, if this is what I believe, then how's it going to shape my life? And how's it going to shape what I go after? So I was thinking a part of that would be, okay, Lord, here's my life. Now make me like a Tim Tebow where I'm six foot three, 265. <laughs> incredibly good looking and I'm a great football player. Everybody loves quarterback at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. Yeah. Right. My favorite football team. They Mm -hmm. lost today, but it's always next year. Yeah. So, um, that's what I was thinking and hoping it was going to be. And it wasn't, I was the loser. And I think, you know, that was in high school. I I was just like a fun loving kind of happy go lucky kind of guy. Just enjoyed people. I like hanging out with people and just in, in playing sports, enjoying their fellowship. And then, my senior year of high school, I went on my first missions trip. Um, youth pastors were kind of in and out of my church. And, you know, like, so we never really had any spiritual traction there and in, in somebody like being a shepherd of the youth. And there was a guy that came and he took us on a missions trip just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I remember that night, this guy named David shared the gospel and there was one kid in the group, he was like a skater dude, and you know, he had like the the long baggy clothes, the earrings. When I was in high school, that stuff was cool. It's cool now again. Okay. Yeah. Great. We'll have to pull out the old outfits yep. then. <laughs> um and I remember he gave the gospel invitation. This kid, Zach was his name, raised his hand and he wanted to accept Jesus. And I had never done anything like share the gospel with anybody. So I'm like, for whatever reason, I'm like a, I'm like like um, 20 seconds of insane courage. If you've seen, we bought a zoo. Like that's how my courage goes. Like even if I'm dead scared, I'm just like, go. So I went up to him. I was like, hey, come with me. He's like, what? I'm like, no, seriously, come here. <laughs> and we sit down and I went through the gospel, the Romans road with Zach. This is like one of your peers? Like, yeah, kind of like I was, we were both in high school. Nice. And, um, you know, I'm from small town Pennsylvania. This kid's from Pittsburgh. Ooh, and he's like, cool. And I'm not. And I didn't care. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm pretty determined. So I, I shared the gospel with Zach 
and Zach put his faith and trust in the Lord and he asked him to be a savior. And from a kid that like grew up as a kind of a loser and all those extra things I had to go through and then not, not like being super insecure. I remember I led that kid to Christ and I went behind the church building and for about an hour, I just sobbed. I couldn't stop crying. There was tears. I'd like to say I'm like a Hollywood crier. It's, I mean, it's an ugly cry. There's snot everywhere. (laughs) It just looked terrible. I didn't care. Like the Lord had impressed something so deep in my heart. And it was just like, um, I felt, I felt all of that all in that one moment where this young man went from darkness to light. And yeah, so that, that was that. And then, you know, there were still many things I had to learn. I, I went to a small college in Pennsylvania. Now it's called Clark Summit University. It was Baptist Bible College. And that's where my parents went. Yeah. Yeah. Defenders. Woo. And you went there with Luke Peterson. Yeah. Who's doing our fall retreat. Yeah. Luke. Little shout out to Luke. <laughs> I'm trying to get him on here before um, the retreat. You probably won't. He's a pretty big deal. He is a pretty big deal. He's like yeah. the poster child of the Salt Network right Someday now. Someday I'm going to say, I know that guy. Yep. You can say <laughs> it now. He's, he's big enough now to where now you can say it and it's cool. And then if you ever want anything dirty on him, I can give you like a whole Wait, boatload. That's a great idea. Uh, tell the boxing story. Oh, <laughs> so Luke, yeah, we were, I, I think, I don't know. I think Luke's like 28 or something, 27, 28 years old. So we, when I went to school, I was a student, like I had left BBC and come back and then Luke had just entered his freshman year. So we developed a friendship. We both played on the golf team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just really connected as people. Um, we had a lot of crazy <laughs> adventures. Like we worked security together. We played golf. So like you have van rides to and from places yep. um, and like golf practice, whatever. Like we would just do a bunch of goofy stuff and have a lot of fun doing it. And at one point, um, Luke said, hey, I got some boxing gloves <laughs> and I think we should box. Just you and him? Yes. Yeah, there just, was like nobody else around. Nobody was even nobody saw it except for me, him, and the Lord. <laughs> and we went up to like this, up to like this uh, wrestling mat that the BBC had in an attic somewhere. And Luke got the gloves, and, I, and he he bought mouth guards for us. Too. No way. So we have our mouth guards, and I've always been the kind of athlete where I'm way cockier than I should be. So like I'm like I'm gonna beat the tar out of this cupcake, and. Then we started it. It was actually quite a bizarre fight because <laughs> he dominated me in just about every single way. Like I'm 5'10 and at the time it's probably like 220 pounds. So I was a chunky dude. And Luke is like, you know, playing basketball. He's like 6'3, 6'4 and he's got these long arms, best shape of his life. Every time I'd get close, he would just basically beat my head like a pinata. <laughs> Um, over and over. And it's funny when it's like you're hearing about it, but when it's going on, you I was you were mad. I was livid. Well, yeah. And what happens is I would get close to him and then he'd pop, 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 beat me in the head and then I would go into rage and I would just go at him because I wanted to knock his head off. <laughs> and But then he would run away. So like it, it was just he's a like, good boxer and you're not. I wouldn't say he was a good boxer. Don't give him that much credit. I, it, what it was is he'd beat me up, I'd get mad, and then I'd chase him, and he'd run away. So it was like this weird game of cat and mouse around this thing. But I will say this. I think I threw maybe 7,000 punches. I only landed one of them, and I landed that sucker square on his jaw. 
And and you that, guys called it after that. That night, he you know he laughed and played it off, whatever. And then he told me later that that night he's like, I could barely open my mouth, <laughs> and I'm like, you better believe it. I was proud of myself awesome. for that one punch I got. So, anyways, uh, how'd you like going to a small private Bible college? You know that that fits great into the story. Um, so, my life, I've definitely grown a lot in the last ten to fifteen years for sure. If I was to stand before the Lord and give an account for how well I lived my life from basically from 18 to 20 years old, I'd be ashamed of myself. I'd be ashamed of what I gave him and what I what I could put forth as like what hmm. I did for his kingdom. Wait, why? I was I was very passive and unmotivated. Um, I in relationships, I had a girlfriend and I did not lead her at all spiritually, mm-hmm. and I'm ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. Um, my classes, like, you know, we have chapel every day and if they, they give you like 10 skips for the whole semester. So I live my life like, okay, I'll take all 10 chapel cuts and sometimes maybe even more. And then if you had six class cuts, I would take all six. And that's how I lived my life. I lived at bare minimum. And looking back, I'd be ashamed of that. So. Yeah, but how could you have, like, you only know that looking back now. What, what would you say to like a, a young freshman man who's feeling the same way? Like, well, what's the point of going to all my classes if I get all my skips and all this stuff? Like, how do you instill that in a young man to not live the minimal lifestyle? Yeah, I would say I tell him to wake up and I wouldn't tell him like a little teddy bear. Um, I think I think men today and, and I speak from being there. I'm not I haven't always been like this like guy that's driven and passionate. I, I was that guy. And I would, I think he very passionately needs to hear that nobody lives a godly life on accident. You got to wake up, man. And, and, you know, something else, John Piper has a quote, I do not look to soft and leisurely men to instruct me on how to deal with adversity. Mm. And it just kind of started to hit me like how I'm living my life in this bare minimum. I'm not going to leave any kind of impact. And I read Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. That's a good book. And the quote, the famous quote, one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I was reading that book lying on my bunk bed at, 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 in Ridley Dorm at Baptist Bible College, and it just struck me. I'm wasting my life. Hmm. <laughs> so that woke me the heck up. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you're wasting your life. So yeah. it's been a progression since then. I thank God for that. I was not the, I'm not the same man I was 10 years ago, and I, Lord willing, in 10 years will not be the same guy that I am right now. I keep growing and chasing after the Lord. So... I don't know if this is weird to say because, you know, I'd say in a lot of ways you lead me and I look up to you and blah, blah, blah. But I've seen you change a lot. Like when I first met you. So for those who don't know, Jake and I met at Lake Ann Camp, which is a camp that I'm passionate about. Jake was a counselor. Then he was program director, whatever. Um, That was when I was, what, 17 or 18? Yeah, like 10th grade, 10th, 11th grade. I mean, that was a long time ago, five, six years ago. And we've, for some reason, just stayed in touch since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I've seen you just change a lot, I feel like. Just grow up. You're always hungry to learn more, to grow more, and to, like, I mean, you're always, like, reading books, listening to sermons, all this stuff. Why do you and how do you and, like, when did you develop this desire to grow godly character, to be a man of God, to... I'm I'm thinking how do how do the listeners take what you're saying and put it in their lives? How do they want to if they want to grow? How do they get the hunger like you have? Because obviously, 
everybody's listening, it's clear you're passionate. You're intense. Like to say the very least, you're intense about life. Yeah. Um, so it, can you sum up the question then? Like put it all, yeah, in, sorry. put all that into one word. How do you grow a passion to grow your godly character? Hmm. Well, I think, I mean, one, I think to grow godly character, you actually have to know God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Matthew says, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of people there that just said a prayer so they don't have to go to hell. And then they live their life how they want. And I would be very scared that they're true followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you love God, it's going to change how you view the world and how you live. So that's the first thing I say is actually make sure you're a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then start praying dangerous prayers. Like saying, like, Lord, help me not to want a life of ease and comfort and money and all the things that the world says are valuable. But God, help me see what you see. Help me to be attracted to what you're attracted to. And and then from there, have some courage. What do they say? Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the disregard of it. So like everybody's afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. That's inevitable. But the people that actually change things are the ones by God's grace that have the courage to take steps of faith. I think R.C. Sproul said, stop saying let go and let God and start trusting God and get going. So when David's facing Goliath and all the other grown men who are warriors in the camp are just sitting there watching, and then all of a sudden this kid has the audacity and the courage for the for him to display the glory of God, and on that day he took a giant down because he believed God had the power to do what it is he said he could do. So... Yeah, a genuine relationship with the Lord, prayer for big things, and then the courage to go after them. And like, man, you really, like it all, it all goes back to what Piper said, but like we get one shot. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've I've lived long enough where I've seen I've seen children die, I've seen my grandparents die, I've seen people I grew up with pass away already. And you know, they may they've made their choices. I like Brian Loritz says when you're young. Um, let's see how does it go. When you're young, your parents lead you, and that's what you look like are their choices. But when you're older, you make your choices, and that's ultimately what your life is based upon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just made a face to me. I couldn't think of the quote. I was like, that's terrible. Well, hey, you know more quotes than anybody that I know ever. So props to you for that. Um, How about real practically, like spiritual disciplines? Do you, is there anything that you're like really adamant about? Anything you've done for forever? Or like, I mean, I think when people think about spiritual disciplines, it's really intimidating because they're like, oh, if I start this, you know, I can't stop it. That's not necessarily true because pretty much anything you start, you're going to eventually stop doing like, besides like reading your Bible, but like if you, you have like a tactic to like memorize scripture, you're eventually just going to like stop doing it. So spiritual disciplines shouldn't be so intimidating that people don't do them. Is there anything that you do regularly for spiritual disciplines? Yeah. Or like just practical disciplines to know the Lord. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you look at it like a, like it's a checkbox, then you're missing the point. Um, we aren't human doings. We're human beings and we were built for relationships. <laughs> 
So I think when we walk with the Lord and share a life with him, when we're like, I, you know, I know I can speak for myself. I don't believe in the power of prayer or else I would do it a whole lot more than I do. Mm. And I, I, if I believe it really changed things in people's hearts, I would do it a whole lot more. And God help us all on that. Um, but I try to spend time in prayer, like when I'm driving or running or whatever it might be, I'm, I'm just asking the Lord for wisdom mm-hmm. and for guidance and that big prayer, Lord, give me a heart for the things that you have a heart for. Um, scripture, you got to get into the word of God and you got to find out what it's truth say. You got to be hungry for it. And the more I've grown in, in my understanding of scripture, the more it's been fun to like learn what it is and how it applies to my life. Like, What's the will of God for my life? Or who should I marry or date? Or how should I marry or date? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, anything and everything. And it also gives a lot of opportunity for somebody to make their own decisions. Um, That's what I believe theologically. And and people can pursue and they can chase after. Um, The will of God for somebody's life is that they share the gospel, advance the kingdom, and then as the famous whatever his name said, die and be forgotten. That's the purpose of my nice. life. Yeah. So, um, what are some ways you think you've changed? Like, when you look back on your life from when you were in college to when you kind of woke up, what are some ways that God's changed you? You think? Yeah, I think he he's definitely set my heart on fire. Um, raw passion, deep deep love for him, and for his word and for truth. Um. I would say that's that's one of the bigger ways. I think a, a genuine love for people. I look back over my life and being a pretty emotional guy, I've made so many stupid choices and you know, hurt a lot of relationships because of that passion. And you know, you look back and you're just like, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed of that. But that's not how God operates. He forgives us of our sin and it's like, God help me to learn the lessons that you wanted me to know and learn in that time. So as I've moved forward in life, it's you just trust the grace of God to keep going and thank him for that grace to keep moving forward and not having to worry about the past has been taken care of, um, thankfully, by the blood of Christ. So keep moving forward in life. Yeah. Um, after you went to Baptist Bible College, what did you do right after that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, my life up to this point is not how I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I always thought I'd be married in my early 20s and have a couple kids by now and have a dad. How old are you, by the way? 31. Mm-hmm. How old are you? 24? <laughs> are you asking me? You no, think I've been no, keeping 23. track? 23. That was my 23. first summer at camp. I was 23 years old. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, so my life has not looked like it, like I thought it was going to. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I counted in 13 years since high school. I've lived in nine different states and 14 different places. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I feel like an old man because I've just seen so much and met so many people. Um, But so like when I've done, I've worked at, this was actually the first summer I wasn't at Lake Ann Camp in the last eight years. And, um, at first it was kind of weird, but it, it was time to transition. It was good. Mm-hmm. And I, the camp, the Lord blessed the camp and they were very fruitful this summer. I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like every dog has his day and my, my dog has had a day. So, <laughs> um, 
It was it was great. I've so I've worked at camp. Um, I was a recruiter, traveled around to churches and tried to recruit students to Baptist Bible College. Um, you tried to get me to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so done that. Was a youth pastor for a while, um, and <clears throat> just recently finished working at Lake Ann. Mm-hmm. And uh, went down, I, you know, I kind of got to the point where I finished at Lake Ann in December, and I was at a point where I'm just like, okay, what's the next step in life? And I was like, okay, well, I need to get a job. And I'm like, I'm going to get a job at like a grocery store, or some part time gigs. Then I'd like to do something that challenges me. So um, there was an opening where I could pursue schooling seminary down in North Carolina at Southeastern Seminary. Mm-hmm. And I moved down there, packed everything up in May. And through the summer, like I said, first summer in 13 years, I hadn't done ministry. And it's like the Lord definitely reawakened my love for it. Um, just through like being a part of a small group. I loved my small group and the people in it. Um, also, like working at a golf course, there's a lot of people that were, they, they didn't know the Lord, so just sharing the gospel with them, whatever. And I kind of got to the point where I was just like, I, I would like to be able to pursue school but I was like, man, I really desire also to serve in the local church again. So I started praying about, Lord, is there a youth pastor position that I could pursue? And uh, made a couple calls, and by God's grace, he opened the doors. And, yeah, I'm going to First Family Church in Ankeny, Iowa. That's great. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> when you think about ministry and just leadership in general, are there any, like, values or like principles that have kind of stuck with you through the years, things you believe about leadership. Hmm. Cause you're a great leader and you are great at raising up other leaders. Hmm. So yeah, let's see. So you just want me to talk about leadership? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Well, I, I think, if if you you know like that life of a famous quote is is if you think you're a leader but you turn around nobody's following you you're just you're just a guy taking a walk and i think you have to have to be a good one you have to have the kind of godly character that people can respect and look up to um that means you're going to have to pay the price you're going to have to prepare you're going to have to train you're going to have to work harder than anybody you got to be the first one and the last one out and you have to live your life in such a way where the people around you look at you and say, I want what that guy has. Um, so that's the first thing is you have to, I think you have to have God. I believe you have to have godly character. Um, I think you got to have work ethic. Dallas Willard has a great quote. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And I think when that clicked for me, it's like I got to be the hardest worker in this room. Um, and that, what, that's not natural for me. Cause I'm nor, I just like to be kind of chill and just kind of relax in the corner and just watch people. But I'm like, man, ultimately, yes, relationships are important because we are human beings, but at the same time, there's work to be done. So I have to do it. I want to do it in such a way where I'm not a, a master with a, with a whip, just driving people. I want to build relationships with them. And then I want to empower them and go after whatever it is we need to get done. And while I'm doing it, I want to be the hardest worker in the room. I want to be the kind of guy, and I learned this from BBC, and I thank God for these kind of men. They taught me like the value of sweating when you're doing simple tasks, like when you're picking up chairs after church or for church or whatever. You bust your butt and you drip sweat. Put your heart into it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, like, like if, if someone has an opportunity to move, you know, and also like I, at, at my golf course job, um, one of the guys there needed help moving and he's not a believer. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, literally said, Lord, through my effort today, I pray that your name would be made famous. And I was there and I, you, you would have laughed your head off. I was <laughs> running everywhere. Like they're looking at me like I'm nuts. And I'm, you are nuts. I'm running like up and down steps. They've never met me in their life. They have no idea who I am. I'm just like this 31 year old dude just <laughs> going crazy, dripping sweat. And I'm just like, my heart's in it. And um, so I think work ethic, um, godly character. Um, You're big on listening to people. Yeah, I was just about to say like, I, I'm huge. Like, yeah, I, I think there's a difference between somebody who's an authority and somebody who's a leader. Mm-hmm. And authority is like respect is just demanded. But in leadership, I think I think honor can be given, but respect is earned. And I think you earn respect with people by learning how they work, how they tick, taking interest in their lives. I'm not a one-size-fits-all kind of guy. So it's not like, okay, this is how I am. You guys adapt to me. I don't believe that's the gospel. Um, we love him because he first loved us. So he came to us, and I think I follow the same thing in relationships with people. Um, John Wooden, the famous basketball coach, said, um, a good coach is somebody who can speak the truth without causing resentment. So the more I get to know the people I lead, I understand how they work, how they tick. You'd be the kind of guy, like, to motivate you, I would have to get in your grill and fire you up. Mm -hmm. But I also have friends, and I'm actually like this, when somebody, like, raises their voice or yells at me, for whatever reason, I melt. And I'm in shambles and I'm not focused and my heart's just That's not defeated. true. I yelled at you a ton today and you didn't melt. Well, probably <laughs> because I don't respect you. <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. Um, <laughs> um, but like it's it, you, like you have to build relationships with people and you have to care for them. Not everybody's going to agree with this and that's okay. But I think that you have to care more for people than what people can do for you. And when you do that, then they'll follow you and they'll follow you to war. And that's when you start getting their best effort. And you got you to gotta reward. I think you sh- a leader should be constantly affirming what gets celebrated gets replicated. Mm-hmm. So keep pouring into people. Hey, great job. You know, like when I'm trying to teach a young guy what it is to be a man of God, I'm going to be like building him up like crazy. When he, when he does or behaves like a man, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, Mikey, dude, crushed it. You were a man right there. Give me some nucks, mm-hmm. okay? But on the other hand too is... I think it should be open communication. So when the people you're leading don't do or act or do something like in accordance to what they should be, I think you you still communicate with them. You say, hey, Mike, you got a second? And gently, but you come up and say, hey, man, you're better than that. And you know you are. And, and I think if they love you, that's going to hit home. Like, you're right. I got more in me than that. It's the art of comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. And it's a balance. And uh, I think that's why you should constantly be filling your mind with truth and, and understanding and knowledge and being a learner. As one guy said, don't let your education get in the way of your learning. Learn how to connect with people, how to love them, and they'll go to war with you. Quit playing with your phone. <laughs> I need something to play with, Mike. Play with your hat. It's not... I did, <laughs> like that um i know you don't really know how like salt company connection groups operate or anything like that but i mean it's same as any small group in a church if 
a young guy or girl comes up to you and is like, hey, I'm really struggling to lead my group, like blindly, what's one thing you think you could say to them that would probably help them? I think it would be pretty easy for everybody to point fingers at the other people being the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that as a leader, you got to take responsibility and ownership of what's going on. So saying like, okay, maybe they're terrible or they're not opening up or sharing or anything like that. But instead of me pointing my finger at them saying like, what's their problem? I got to look to myself and say, okay, what could I do better? That's the first thing. And then a little th- bit of Jacko Willink in there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but I think the other side of it too is I think we avoid like hard conversations or honest questioning. Like it's the plague. Like, Oh, I don't want to be like that honest with somebody because heaven forbid they might get mad at me or they maybe they don't like me or respect me. And I think we fear people way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what scripture says in Psalm. I think it's Psalm 90. Like what can mere mortals do to me? They're just, you're, you're a broken, jacked up person, just like anybody else. So stop making them your gods. Like they can bless your life. They can't only God in heaven can do that. And I aim to please him. So through that, I want to have peacemaking, not peacekeeping kind of relationships. So if I'm in a group and somebody's struggling, I'm going to say, hey, can you and me talk? And you sit them down and saying, this is what I'm experiencing. I don't know all the detail. I would I would definitely go into it um, not making like, like pre-opinions or like this is the way it is. Go in with a very open mind. And don't accuse, but assume the best Mm -hmm. and just say, Hey, like, I'm sure it's me, but can you help me understand and saying like, what's going on? And I've noticed in my life, the more that I've done that and just clear the air or have that difficult conversation, it makes me go deeper with people Mm -hmm. where we have like more open communication. Um, it's probably vulnerability to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you talked a little bit about, you know, teaching a young guy to be like a man of God. What's it mean to be a man of God to you? Hmm. Um, at Lake Ann, we had Man Night, which which was a great time. Man Night is is one of the most special things I've ever been a part of in my life, and I'll probably I'll get emotional thinking about this because the first time we did it was in the summer of 2012 as the junior high program director, and then I did it again I think two summers ago, maybe it was last summer. Man, time flies. 2018 and no, two summers ago, 17. And uh, man night was basically all these junior high boys come in. And I would say that because of my upbringing in my life, I'm, I'm very passionate about knowing what it is to be a man of God because I haven't always known that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm hungry for it. I want it. And so I, I read in scripture and created this kind of outline of what it is to be a man after God's own heart. So I'd bring all these boys in there. And I mean, uh, maybe if you can pick, I don't know if you, you can't see my facial expressions, <laughs> but you can hear my voice. And I definitely say there's some emphasis in my voice and there's passion. So just imagine that on steroids between all these like young dudes, seventh and eighth graders looking at you. So there's grown man's looking them in the eyes and, and lighting them up and sharing. This is what the Bible says about what a man of God is. Mm-hmm. And the first one, the first thing that makes somebody a man is taken from the life of David because David was the man that was the one man that was a man after God's own heart. So something that things that he said and things that he did demonstrated the character of God Almighty. And the first one was courage. Men of God are courageous. They say what needs to be said and they do what needs to be done, no matter what the cost. And I kind of share the example of um, I got this from Matt Chandler's sermon, but basically 
um, there's this little kid, and his dad always taught him this one phrase. He said, son, the boy goes down, so the girl goes free. Mm-hmm. He always like, branded that into his brain. Great parenting, Deuteronomy 6 kind of model. Son, the boy goes down, so the girl goes free. He's like, all right, dad, you got it. What's that mean? I'm about to tell you. Just be patient. Um, <laughs> so one day the dad's in his office, and the kid's outside playing on it in his like, little red wagon. You can't ride my little... Sorry. <laughs> uh, you didn't bring me here to sing. That's right. Um, the kid's playing with his little red wagon. He's on top of a hill. His dad's in the office. He's a professor at a university. The dad looks out the window and sees his kids riding down the hill in his wagon. And he's picking up speed. And all of a sudden, his dad's like, oh, no. He's like going faster and faster. He's like, he runs, stands up, runs to the door, looks out. The kid's picking up speed, going faster and faster and faster down this hill towards the intersection. And down at the bottom of this hill is this cute little girl in her pigtail riding on her bike with her um, training wheels. Okay, just adorable. Well, the dad's looking at his kid on the hill in his wagon. He's picking up speed. And he is about to nail her. And his dad's like, you know, son, look out. Be careful. Getting closer and closer. All of a sudden, the kid grabs both sides of the wagon and starts shaking it back and forth. And finally, after building up enough momentum, flips the wagon over. Kid goes head over heels down on the concrete, skinned up his arms, his legs. His dad runs out to him, scoops him up, brings him inside, and puts the kid down. You know, the blood is everywhere. He's got to figure out if he needs to take his kid to the hospital. The kid's just crying. You can imagine. And then in the midst of all those tears and the blood and the pain, the kid looks up at his dad. He said, hey, dad. The boy goes down, so the girl goes free. And I'm telling that to these little junior high boys. I'm saying, guys, we need men that are courageous. They stand up and they do what's right, no matter what the cost. And someday it might cost you your very life. But even if it does, rest assured that men of God are not passive. They're passionate and they have courage. So men of God are, number one, courageous. Wait, what the heck did the wagon have to do? With the boy goes down, the girl goes free. He crashes so he didn't hit her? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh. Sorry, I should have broken I was thinking, it down for yeah, you. Yeah, I was thinking, well, how the heck does that have to do with anything? Okay, sorry, keep going. <laughs> sorry, did I ruin your mojo? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, the second one is men of God defend the weak. We live in a world where men, they take advantage of people. Mm-hmm. They use that leadership or their positions to use people, and that's not how a man of God behaves. Um, the example from that is taken from David's life where I think it's in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Mephibosheth is Jonathan's son, and, and David promised he would do good by Jonathan and protect his family. Mm-hmm. And Mephibosheth was dropped when Saul and Jonathan passed away and their their kingdom ended. So this kid's crippled. Kid, I mean, they, some commentaries say he was in his 20s, but David... Um, sends for him. So Mephibosheth comes before David and he's crippled. He can barely walk and he just falls at the king's feet. And he's like, who am I that you should even care about a dead dog like me? And then in that midst of vulnerability, David scoops him up and says, I'm going to treat you like my son. You're going to sit at my table. You're going to be with me. We're going to protect you. We're going to look out for you. Mm -hmm. So we take that as the principle that that's how a man of God acts and behaves. He defends the weak. He doesn't take advantage of them. He has a soft and gentle heart. He's meek. Jesus was like that. Mm -hmm. So 
men of God are courageous. Men of God defend the weak. The third one is men of God ask forgiveness and they take responsibility. So basically from David and Bathsheba, David messed up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And um, Psalm 51 is him going before the Lord and just pouring out his heart, creating me a clean heart of God and renew a right spirit within me. David just begs and pleads before God, forgive me of my sin. I think guys today make a lot of excuses. Yeah. They make mistakes. They do something wrong. One of the famous words I know when they're corrected, I hate that. I, 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 I Yeah, I, I could jump across the table right now and give you a wedgie. I'm um, kidding. Like, like, you don't know everything. And even if you do, take a humble route and say thank you for sharing or thank you for your advice or your opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so ask forgiveness, take responsibility. And the last one is men of God never give up. I, and that, that drives me because, yeah, I've made a ton of mistakes and done a lot of stupid things throughout my life. But like tonight when we're running in the dark mm-hmm. or when I'm running up a hill a couple days ago in Pennsylvania, all those things, I feel as if the end of that run is the finish line is heaven's gates. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I might not be as fast as somebody else, but I can do the best that I can because I want to finish this race. So everything's like an analogy, analogy of me trying to finish a race um, and that's that's what drives me is I don't want to be a quitter. I don't want to be somebody that runs away when it gets hard. I want to finish this race the Lord set out before me. Nice. Love it. My dad taught me, I think he, it was the, uh, no, it wasn't the promise keepers version of a man. It was, uh, I don't remember what it was. But anyways, he, when I was a young man, a young boy, he set me down at Perkins, he would like take me out once a month or something. And we would talk about the four part definition. He said that men of God accept responsibility. They reject passivity. They lead courageously and they live for an eternal reward mm-hmm. or a greater reward. Robert Lewis raising a modern day night. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. If you're a dad out there raising a modern day night by Robert Lewis is an incredible book. Yeah. Grab it, learn it, teach it to your sons. Yeah. I love that. Um, can you speak on uh, singleness a little bit? Because like you said, you're 31, didn't think you'd be single. Uh, a lot of listeners are probably single. Got any words of wisdom? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is this is definitely a hot topic, especially within the church, because I think it's really prevalent with my generation, especially the millennials. Um you know, you read a whole bunch of stuff in the news world and all that, and they're saying this is like the least married generation mm-hmm. that we've had, and if ever, in the United States. And I think part of that is is I be, I this is what I believe. This is my opinion of what the Bible says, and then after the guys I've read, I think it's a man's job and responsibility to initiate and pursue. And again, it's going to take some courage, and it's it, and for sure it's scary because you might get rejected. I've gotten rejected so many stinking times. It should have hurt me by now. And by God's grace, it hasn't ended my pursuit. I'm going to still keep trying. Yeah. But it's just a part of it. Like as a man, you're supposed to take risks. And that doesn't mean it's going to turn out the way you want. But if it was, that wouldn't be courage. That'd be like counterfeit courage. So I think guys should pursue. Stop playing games both sides. Like they use each other to build up their insecure egos without any intention of going deeper with them. Mm -hmm. They flirt, they laugh together, they act like they're in a relationship, 
But then when it comes down to it, they don't want to commit to it. So when so they come to somebody and they're like, hey, I actually don't like you. It's like, what? You were sending all the wrong messages. Yeah, that was cowardly. Yeah. So I think a guy should get off his butt. And if he sees a girl that, first of all, loves Jesus, and that second of all is going to make him a better man, then pursue her. Get to know her. Brush your teeth. Floss. <laughs> slap a little. Uh, what's the? Cologne. No, not the. The juice you put in your mouth and you spit it out. Mouthwash. Mouthwash? Yeah. <laughs> the juice? <laughs> I thought it was juice when I was a kid. No, like, clean yourself up, be respectful, and pursue the lady. And if she says no, then be gracious. Thank God for the opportunity. Thank her. Say thank you so much for considering it. Because in the Bible, there's two male and female relationships. There's brother and sister, and there's husband and wife. She might not be your wife. But she'll she'll always be if she's in Christ your sister, so you treat you treat her with all respect. Girls, this is what I would tell a girl. I'm obviously not a girl, so I don't really understand all <laughs> all that that can go into it. But if a guy has the courage to ask you out, then I think you should have the courage to say no to his face, sure, or not play games with him. Um, I know, like ghosting. That's like a thing now where it's like I'm just gonna kind of like slip into the shadows, not re- not respond or not get back to him. I don't like that. No. If he had the courage to come up and ask, like maybe you like think he looks like a tree trunk and you want nothing to do with him. <laughs> That's okay. But at least like acknowledge that, like reward him as your brother in Christ, reward him saying, Hey, I, I love your courage. And I wish more guys, I wish more guys had your kind of guts, but I'm not interested. You look like a tree. And I don't you want to are, with you. No, you were not telling girls to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd appreciate the honesty after I shed the tears of disappointment. Sure. So, yeah, guys get going and pursue. And girls girls respond and just be honest with him um, regardless of that. How about this? We've talked about this. <clears throat> if a guy and a girl want to get married, they've been dating for a while. They, you know, they're getting affirmation <clears throat> from all sides, except for the parents. They're like... We don't want you to get married in college. You say go for it anyways? Well, there is a whole bunch of variables that <laughs> go into this. That was definitely a question. trying to question light, the, light with, the fire. A question with an agenda. Um, <laughs> this is what I would say is, one, a man's responsibility is to provide and protect for his wife. Yeah. So if a young guy is dependent upon his parents to get him through school, and he has they doesn't even have a job yet, dude. You're out of your mind. What are you going to live in your parents' basement and like look to them to to provide for you? I know it sounds crazy, but it's like that actually it happens. Okay, mm-hmm. so like tap the brakes, big guy. Yep. What's the plan? Plan your work, work your plan. A man with vision. So provide and protect is a man's responsibility. I also say I would take a year to get to know somebody. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, and I've I've been I've dated girls where it's gone really good for like two months. But anymore, like, and, and I'm not afraid to talk about marriage. I'm not dating just for kicks and giggles, especially at this point in my life. Yeah. I know what I want, and hopefully the woman I'm pursuing knows what she wants. And I'm not going to be afraid to talk about marriage, because why are we doing this? Right. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to, like, rush or impulsively jump into a marriage ignorantly. So I'm going to take my time. Like, there's there's a ton of resources out there. Um, let's see. The Sacred Search by Gary Thomas is an excellent book. I mm-hmm. love that book. Um, before you save the date, 21 questions to ask them before you marry them. I think that's by Dr. Paul Friesen or something like that. Great book. These are all resources I use. 
to intentionally get to know somebody. A lot of times people just jump into relationships. One, they get very physical where they, they like, they start kissing or start going crazy and it clouds their judgment because they're infatuated. You know, Proverbs 31 says that beauty fades and charm is deceptive. So those things are going to go away and we're all going to get old and fat. Your ears and your nose never stop growing. <laughs> um, and when those things go away, man, character and godliness and personality are going to mean a lot. Matt Chandler talks about he got cancer and he's like, my wife would shave my cancerous radiated head. And he said, my personality was gone. And he said, the one thing that kept my wife glued was her godly character. Mm. And that should be a shout out to every young person listening, man. Character is everything. Maybe the Lord hasn't blessed you in the timing that you would have wanted or hoped for. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I'm 31 years old and I desire it badly. But I'm not going to compromise the mission of God. He put me here to do something, and I'm not going to throw it away just because I'm lonely. God can give me the grace to get through it no matter what. And if he never gives me those things, I, I believe that he is enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to fight for that. I don't even know what the original question was, but like, ask questions, intentionally get to know each other, um, provide and protect. When you're in a position to do that, then pursue. And then I, I'm not one that would take a long engagement probably like six months max um, just because like, okay, we know we want to marry each other. Why are we going to, some people are engaged for like a long, long time. That's their choice and decision. Yeah. I ain't going to rip on that, but I'm sure as baloney, not going to do that myself. Yeah. I've never said that in my life. That was a good little rip you just had there. <laughs> nice rips, Jake. With the baloney thing? No, on the singleness <laughs> thing. That's great. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> We start to land this plan a little bit here. You're a big reader. Yeah. What are some of the most influential books in your life? Hmm. Most influential books in my life. Well, I have a blog and it's I have chosen.org. And I love to write. That's actually my favorite thing to do, is just write like on a cold winter day in my bathrobe near a fire. Oh my gosh. And just I know it sounds pansy like, <clears throat> but I can actually beat the crap out of Mike and still do these things. <laughs> so I enjoy it. So <clears throat> a frog in my throat. <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> I sound like a grandpa now. <laughs> um I have chosen that ORG, like and it has a resources page with all my favorite books. Um, The Twenty One Servants of Sovereign Joy by John Piper. Basically, just goes through 21 biographies he wrote mm-hmm. about great men that God has used throughout history. Man, if you're a parent, expose your expose your kids to these kinds of stories. Because as a parent that loves Jesus, your ultimate goal is not to get your child safe and comfortable to live a happy, peaceful life in America until they die. If you're a follower of Jesus, your goal should be have your children attack the gates of hell and take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth and live dangerously for Christ. So the 21 Servants of Sovereign Joy, um, <clears throat> A Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. That's just a great book to go through. I got to get that book. Yeah, it, it's just like a great book to walk daily with as reminders. It's yeah. just gospel truth that we should be constantly preaching to ourselves. And it's not primer. Uh, it's actually a primer. Why? What does that mean? I don't know. Look it up. Just somebody <laughs> somebody told me it's primer. <laughs> and, and people are like, it's not. It's primer. Listen. The lady that told me it was, I trust her. She's my friend's well, mom. Well, I trust her too now, so. She's my friend's mom. It's the gospel primer. Um, the Tale of Three Kings. Oh, dude, I read that book like, By Gene times. Edwards. Yeah, like if, if your heart is low and you need encouragement, man, The Tale of Three Kings by Gene that, Edwards is I don't great. cry very often, but that book mm. brought me to tears. Mm. 
um, Coach Wooden by Pat Williams. Coach Wooden, John Wooden, um, was the basketball coach for the UCLA Bruins. And, man, you want a guy that just was a master of leadership. They said he coached basketball to make a living, but his calling was to impact people. Mm. And I believe that that very calling could be said of every follower of Jesus Christ is to impact people for eternity. So Wooden just had a masterful way of of doing that and impacting people. Um, just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this goes perfect what we were just talking about. Um, basically, we're sitting around as people like saying, well, we'll just wait for the Lord to show us what to do. And there is a time, don't get me wrong, there's a time to wait and to pray. Mm-hmm. But there's also time to act, time to act and pursue. My favorite quote from this is, um, DeYoung says, so go marry someone, provided you're equally yoked and you actually like being with each other. Get a job, provided it's not wicked. Go live somewhere in something with somebody or nobody. But put aside the passivity and the quest for complete fulfillment and the perfectionism and the preoccupation with the future. And for God's sake, start making some decisions in your life. Don't wait for the liver to shiver. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will be in God's will. So just go out and do something. Like Boom. It's a great book. Go. Um, I think King, one of my D group guys has that. Lent it out to him. I think Joel, Joel Ryder, if you have that book, give it back to me, please. Joel, we're not messing around. Give it back. Thank you. Tomorrow. Thank you. Um, Kingdom Man, Tony Evans. Yep. Great book. I got a couple more here. Um, I think most of the books I read in my life are your recommendations. Anytime I'm done with a book, um, I just say, hey, what should I read? You tell me. And then I buy them off Amazon and mm, I read them. And they're awesome. always great. Yeah, man. Reading. uh Honestly, yeah. Okay, get rid of your TVs. You're not like in, in 50 years when you're on your dying bed, you're not going to be with your family and loved ones. Be like, hey, come here. Do you remember that one show we watched <laughs> together? It was awesome. I love you. Bye. <laughs> and then you're dead. Like, it, come on. Throw away the TV. Buy a book. Expand your mind. Make yourself intelligent, guys. If you want to be attractive to a girl, why don't you start educating your mind and show here a little intelligence? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, the Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. Of course. That's a great book. My goodness. This is not our home, so stop living in it like it is. Yeah. Somebody out there. Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle. Love that book, too. Um, man, guys, you want if you want like a proper like kid, let me sit down and tell you what it is to be a man, you get that book. Dude, that's an old book, but arguably more for today than it was when he wrote it. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, those are some favorites. I mean, I've got a lot of other ones, but I, mean, I love to read. And and honestly, it expands your vocabulary and helps you remember random facts all the time. It's mm-hmm. just it's just an awesome, exciting thing. Read the books. Put the TV down or the remote, whatever. <laughs> throw it away. Sell it. Buy books. You'll become much more interesting as a person. And maybe I'd actually enjoy having a conversation with you. I thought that as this podcast would go on, you would calm down a little bit. You haven't. I've escalated. It's gotten crazier. <laughs> <laughs> People are probably gonna need to break this up into like five chunks. They're not gonna know what to do with themselves. Here's the last thing I want to talk about. Yeah. The stupid way you work out. <laughs> yeah, I call it Fit for Fifty Fitness. <laughs> That's hashtag. Before you explain it, I want to explain F- it. F five O F hashtag Fit for Fifty. Jake likes to work out. His fitness goals are to achieve the fitness levels of a fit 50-year-old. He thinks this is more mm-hmm. um, 
advantageous in the long run, that it's more sustainable throughout his life. So he doesn't actually do anything hard. He just works out enough dude, to be like dude, a fit fifty-year-old. Don't start with me. Am I wrong? That's yeah, a, that's, you're wrong. What is it? You just said I don't do anything that's hard. Like I wish the viewers could have seen you on my tail trying to keep up with me in the run we just did together. I was running with a weighted backpack. Oh, on. oh, with a laptop. Okay, basically you're running with a small and my Bible in your back. and a water bottle. Oh, and my Bible and my charger. <laughs> I keep having to gain you no. down because you keep yelling. Here's, this is why I asked you in the sound check to here's, yell. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everybody, like I've seen this. I've seen it. Guys go super hard in their 20s and 30s. And they're like, I'm going to get jacked. I'm going to be so sexy. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and what happens is they go too hard. They're too hard on their bodies. And by the time they're hitting 40 or mid 40s, they're done. They can't, they're like a, a shamble of themselves. I've seen a lot of guys like this. So here's my theory. And by the way, you say it's not hard. I work hard, okay? What I do mm. is I go hard. Mike, don't make I will, <laughs> I will throw this mic and attack you on the other side of this table, okay? Um, I run 12 to 15 miles a week. All right, that's kind of legit. Okay? And I, and like last week, we have this massive hill back home. It's like almost half a mile long. Ran up the sucker back to back days. Like I go hard. And I sweat. You ran I, up the hill one time. No, back to back days. It was it was a f- like a four mile run. Oh, and I ran up the hill without stopping. Okay, okay, okay. And plus, I've got injuries. I'm trying to help you look better I, to the. I audience. don't want your help. You can take your help and <laughs> shove it in your beak. <laughs> so I I run, shove it, and then I do push ups and and some pull pull ups are a great exercise. Wow, um, wow. So this is. <laughs> These are the things I do, and it's just simple, basic. I try to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen is when guys like you are torched, when their bodies are just beaten down and ripped apart. My body is not being done. Lord, I just pray for protection on this brother for his cockiness, and I pray you to protect him. You can't him just break out in a prayer in the middle future. of a podcast. I just did. I just broke into prayer, okay? So when 50 comes and all my friends are chubby and old and ancient, your boy... Is just hitting a sweet spot. Like I'm gonna be like in excellent shape for a 50 year old. You have Fit bum ankles. I do, and somehow I'm still going. I don't have bum ankles. I can lift more than you. I can run faster than you. You run like you just pooped your pants. I wasn't gonna say anything. That is not. But you like true. run like there's like 40 pounds of poop oh in my your gosh. underwear. <laughs> we we need to wrap this up. It's getting crazy. <laughs> anything else you want to talk about, real quick? <clears throat> We've already put an hour in. No, this this was. I think this was fun. I had a great time. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, do you have an email they can reach you at or anything? Yeah, um, jake.walton1988 at gmail.com. That's jake.walton1988 at gmail.com. Gosh, I want to... It used to be the one email I give away is littlewalton99 at hotmail.com. <laughs> that was my first email address. My first girlfriend when I was in eighth grade helped me make that. And I lost the password, so tough. Now with telemarketers, I'm like, yeah, I just send it to Little Walt 99 at Hotmail. There you go. Um, no, I've got nothing to say more. Well, hey, thanks for making the time, man. I appreciate it. Hey, man. I think people are going to enjoy it. I enjoyed it. Good, Mike. I'm glad. And I love you. All right, should we be going now? <laughs> Later, folks. Godspeed. See you on the flip side. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening to the episode if you made it this far. 
My friend Jake is pacing around the room still. We're going to go run home in the dark. He's driving me crazy. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and stay tuned for more. You can follow us on Instagram at the Grain of Salt Podcast. Uh, shoot me an email if you want at thegrainofsalt.pod, I believe. And um, yeah, stay tuned for more. Tell your friends. Thanks so much for the support. Appreciate it. Love you. Bye. 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 <laughs>